let's just spend a few minutes on really looking at the different pathways to restore this PARP resistance. And maybe we shouldn't even be restoring PARP resistance, but instead talking about moving up earlier in the lines of therapy to benefit those patients which may uh, not be benefiting as greatly. For example, the homologous recombination proficient patients. So we see here uh, a wonderful uh, uh, a review paper uh, from a few years ago, differentiating the different ways to overcome PARP resistance. We have rest restoration, the homologous recombination activity. And we look at uh, both direct and indirect. And the indirect, we really look at antivascular pathways as well as the RAF-RAF MEK inhibitor, but also the PI3 kinase and mTOR pathways. And those are all parallel, hopefully promoting restoration, the homologous recombination uh, pathway leading to apoptosis. And we could spend all day talking about what is PARP resistance, patients who have been exposed to or patients who progressed, but that's a discussion for a different day. I did want to mention one trial that we've gotten permission to discuss with regards to a WE1 inhibitor combined with a PARP inhibitor. And this will be within the GOG, GOG3067. And this will be a phase one leading to a phase uh, two trial. And we'll discuss more about this trial in the future. But uh, this is continuing to look for sites right now. So let's, uh, let's talk a little bit about where do we go from platinum-resistant patients? Well, we just talked about the challenges with regards to response rates of 10% or less. Well, I will tell you, in drug development, we're really not interested in a drug unless we see a 25% response rate or we see the potential for synergy with other chemotherapy drugs. So how do you make a decision based on what you have available, which is not very exciting, Pegylated lapisoma doxorubins, single agent gems are single agent topotecan, or excuse me, gemcitabine, single agent topotecan. When we're looking at the single agent activities, it's pretty modest. And I think our patients would hope for better than a 10% response rate. When we look at clinical trials, maybe 25%. So this is one of the things we've done at OSU. We've set up and this is just an example. All these trials are not active right now, but just again, uh, what we've set up. And we really look at, first thing I do is test the tissue. Does the tumor uh, uh, have a molecular change about what make, make them eligible for clinical trial? That's the first thing we do. The second thing we do then is say, are they an option for weekly paclitaxel? Okay. So if they're eligible for weekly paclitaxel, that becomes the next. And then we look at the number of prior therapies to make a determination about what should be, uh, how to sequence these. So I'd encourage each of you to put a similar algorithm together. If you have one, more than one platinum-resistant ovarian cancer clinical trial, it may mean something to consider in your standard care arms. So continues, platinum-resistant ovarian cancer continues to be a significant burden. Obviously, all of these ultimate, all these uh, drugs ultimately have drug resistance. So overcoming that drug resistance, we continue to have an unbelievable, uh, exciting opportunity here in oncology. We're in an unprecedented time of drug development, but we need to move these uh, earlier phase trials into drugs which are approved for our patients so we can utilize them. That really needs to be at the key of our science. Let's move these drugs in so they are available for our patients, not just do experiments. And obviously, our best opportunity for success is really looking at tumor biology, molecular changes, and how do those relate to respond some selective pressures that are both inherent and external. Now, let's change gears for a quick 
second talk about disparities i'd love to hear what the uh, uh what each one of these wonderful members of our of our uh group here are doing so talk a little bit about outcomes adherent and genetic disparities so we know and from from looking at our data we know we know that Black patients are more likely than white patients to experience treatment delays and discontinue treatment early. They are more likely to have uh, optimal cytoreduction. reduction. We know that they are more likely not to receive guideline concordant care and uh, ed as well as adherent to those cares, okay? And what else? Dose reductions, higher, higher percentage of dose reductions. Okay. And the scariest thing is even we control for as many things we can control for, particularly our stage, black patients do worse in their survival. We need to figure out why that is. Well, we know one reason is when we look at patients that adhere, adhere to ovarian cancer guidelines, if we adhere, patients do better. But what are some of the risk factors? Low volumes. We need to make sure these all of our patients are treated at high volume centers. But we haven't put people at GI oncologists throughout the entire US. And so getting those patients, uh, all of our patients to high volume centers can be tough. And so what do we need to do to bring patients, to bring our expertise to patients in underserved areas? And obviously what can we do to support those patients to make sure that they have the necessary uh, 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 means to have the guideline therapy? And obviously, insurance also seems to uh, impact that. How about what can we do to, to increase accessibility? What can we do to make sure that we are uh, adhering to, to guideline therapy? Possibly patient navigators, particularly for non-English speaking, use of satellite clinics, remote. We now have the ability for remote. All of these things are so important. And how about testing for ovarian cancer? We need to make sure all of our patients have genetic testing. And with that, with that, when we look at non-white patients, they have a lower occurrence of having genetic testing. Imagine the opportunity we're missing. And so important to make sure every single one of our patients are counseled. They should have genetic testing. Obviously, they have the autonomy to make their own decisions. Thank you very much.